Ever feel like you're doing this teaching thing alone? You don't have to be. Share Teaching is all about sharing the workload through the power of collaboration and teamwork. Together, we'll walk through all the difficult parts of teaching and learn how to streamline our processes, fine-tune our time management, and develop a more manageable workload. If that sounds like a dream come true to you, then welcome to the Shared Teaching Podcast. Let's share in the teaching to make those dreams a reality. Now here's today's Shared Teaching. Hello and welcome back to the Shared Teaching Podcast. I'm your host, Susan, creator behind Shared Teaching. I'm so happy to have you here again listening to this podcast with me. And today you are in for episode 103, where we're talking about setting up student organization systems. So at the time of this recording, it's the end of October. I can't believe I'm actually saying that. This year is going by so fast for me. And I'm sure by now kids are getting very settled into their class, into their routines, comfortable at their desks, and you're seeing a lot more messy desks, maybe some lost papers shoved in the back hole of their desks, right? So let's try to get your students organized by putting a Surefire system in place that's going to really help stop those problems. So before I dive into some solutions, let's talk about what is a student organization system. So I consider within the classroom the student organization system of being how students are managing their own supplies and also the classroom supplies. So this could include their lunchboxes, their backpacks, their water bottles, the curriculum materials, their desks, and center supplies, and then anything else that the students are actually touching and using. So you really need to have a system for how it's getting used, because if you're not clear on what you are expecting from the students, then the students aren't going to be able to help you and keep those systems in place. I like to think through this process before I start the school year, but although I'm recording this end of October, any time of the year is perfect for a reset. Don't feel like you have to wait for like the day after a break or the beginning of a school year to make something like this happen. It can be any time, especially if you're at your wit's end. Now is the perfect time. Think through the process of what you want it to look like and create a solid plan in order to set up your students for future success. Knowing how to manage their supplies and keeping their things organized is a lifelong skill that's going to be very necessary when they move on to middle and then high school, right? Keeping those lockers organized, knowing how to keep their notes together, their homework turned into the right teachers. There's a lot that they're going to have to maneuver. So getting them a nice solid system now should help them even in next year's classroom. Okay, so I like to start with the basics. So when you're starting a system for your students, you really want to think about what they're going to use the most often. And generally, this is going to be items that are in their desks, like their pencil boxes. The less items you can have students actually keep in their desks, the cleaner, usually, the desks will be kept each week. And of course, there's always going to be students that are the exception to this rule. And I think we all know those ones when I say that. Let's start with inside the student desks. Now last year, this was a second grade classroom, I had a student that liked to keep part of their breakfast in their desk. Not even kidding you. So usually on Fridays, I'd have desk cleaning day, 
and I would find open containers and things growing. Oh my gosh, it was so gross. So I'm sure you can think of a student either that you have now or in the past that this is very relatable to. And the truth is there's always probably going to be at least that one student who has those papers shoved in the back of their desk, and they're usually searching for a pencil or some kind of assignment on a daily basis. But building good habits and having a solid system is really going to help those students learn how to be organized, or at least attempt to be organized. So first, decide what's necessary to keep in their desk. Don't be afraid to send things home if they are not needed. At the beginning of the year, you might have students bring in like a new shiny box of 96 Crayola crayons with a built-in sharpener, or maybe this huge variety of glitter pens, right? And I tell the students that these would be perfect for keeping at home and working with their homework. And then I'll send a note home to the parent saying, hey, they're not part of the supply list. They're going to cause some issues in the classroom, and we're going to send them home so they can use them at home. That way, if the parents want to return them for the money, they can, but they're not in the kid's desk. They're not cluttering things up. They're not causing fights. The other kids want to use them. They're just out of the way, right? So don't be afraid to have those conversations. When I first taught, um, well, not when I first taught, but when I taught first grade, I had my students keep their reading basils because back then we had the trophy books. I don't know if any of you know that, my dating myself. (laughs) It was a curriculum. So they had the reading books that they kept in their desk, and then their math books were kept inside their desk, and then everything else was kept outside of their desk. So we had community supply caddies, and their writing folders were kept in like a little bin on a shelf, and it worked really well for me. Now, my second graders, on the other hand, kept quite a few things in their desks, and then As the year progressed, I noticed that we started having a few problems with that. But they had their pencil boxes, which were individual, because I did away with community supplies, COVID and all that. So I started going back to individual. Um, Their writing folders, their math and reading books, all those were stored inside their desks. So eventually I started keeping the reading books in a bin underneath my whiteboard because it wasn't like a basil that they had to read all the time. It was a book they referred to every once in a while, maybe like we're talking every other month or so. And then they had these read aloud like picture books that they had to keep cycling through more frequently. So it didn't really make sense to have any of that in their desk. So I just passed it out as we needed it. And I also gave my students plastic three ring or three prong writing folders. And I noticed that those did not really hold up to the abuse of a school year and needed to be replaced for the following year because they were getting shoved in the desk and some kids were like pretty hard on when they put things like their math book or their science materials back in their desk and it kind of broke the plastic folders. So I went back to pulling them out of the desk and keeping off to the side. Now part of my new student organization was to make sure that those were easily acceptable or accessible and in a spot that each student could get to them. And that's one thing that you want to make sure of as well when you're creating your system is can the students get to them as they need them? Are they in a spot that they can reach that is not going to be blocking any flow of traffic? All that kind of good stuff that you think of when you're planning out your desk arrangements and how your classroom flows. When I've decided, what I decided was I'm going to be keeping just a few things in their desks. And then I like to demonstrate 
how to care for our supplies. And it might seem kind of silly, but it's really necessary to have at least a few lessons in order to get the results you want from your students. Now, my lessons might use a student pencil box, and then I discover, oh no, my pencil's not in there. And then I'm looking everywhere in my desk to try to find my supplies, and I've missed my math lesson. And students often find this really hilarious because it's very true, right? It's relatable to them or to some of their classmates. Other lessons might include me pulling out my scrunched up papers, maybe I throw some pencil shavings on the floor, my whiteboard markers don't have caps on them, right? The sillier and more outrageous you can make it, the more that the kids are going to remember and their attention is going to be captured. And then of course I'm going to follow up these really funny lessons with modeling the right way I should store my supplies. This is going to include an anchor chart where I've drawn out the quote-unquote perfect student desk. You could also take a picture and blow it up, whatever works for you. And then I'm very explicit about how I stack my books and what side of the desk I place my things. I want all the students to be cookie cutters, right? They all should have their whiteboards on the left in their desk with their pencil box right on top of it. On the right side is their books in the order that we're using them throughout the day so that they can find them easy And then as they're taking them out and putting them back, they're in the right spots and we don't have to worry about where is it? Is it on this side? Is it on that side? It's just, it's easier when you're very explicit. And the messier students really need those explicit directions. The next thing you want to think about is supply shelves. So if possible, consider having a bookshelf or two that's dedicated for storing student supplies. I like to use a bookshelf that houses a plastic book bin for each student. And then each book bin is labeled by number because I like to give my students numbers. And that's just a a kind of classroom management tip for keeping materials organized year after year without having to relabel them. They're just, you always have a student number one, two, three, and so on. So each year you can reuse those same labels. Inside the book bin are the things that normally would go inside the student desk. So here we're keeping like a little little tub that has individual manipulatives. There's science books, writing folders, notebooks, word study folders, and their headphones because I noticed keeping the headphones inside their desk, we're getting the headphones destroyed by keeping them out into the plastic book bin. It was keeping them a lot cleaner and easier to find as well without all the tangled cords. An alternative to having individual book bins is to just stack books and folders by tables So on a bookshelf, you're going to stack all table ones, folders, and books together. And then I like to give each table a number. So table one, table two, all the way to table six, because I had six tables normally. I try not to do more than six tables. Usually I don't have a room that's that big anyway. So six is usually a good number for me. And then I have a really long laminated bookmarks where I taped two pieces of paper together so I could have it nice and long. Laminate it. And then it has the table number on it and it helps keep the group supplies separate. So think of like a library shelf where you have those little sticks you can put in to mark where you took a, take a book out. It's the similar kind of concept with the kids' materials on the shelf. And then it, when the kids come to pick up their supplies, they know, oh, I just grabbed from here to the next bookmark. That's all my tables. And they go back and give it to their table and pass it out from them. There, sorry. So I only have one person, I call them table captains, come up to get the supplies. So then that's a maximum of six kids coming to get the supplies versus, you know, like the 25 kids all coming at the same time. 
Okay, the next system you want to think about is a student paper system. So after student supplies and their individual areas, you want to address the organization system for the papers. So all these photocopies of assignments really need to end up somewhere, so we need to find a good place for them. So the first thing we want to talk about is passing out and turning in assignments. So you can't have a complete student organization system without considering how you're going to pass out and collect their assignments. And there's many techniques to this. I personally like to have a student helper that passes out the papers, and I teach them how to count out enough papers for the table or the row. This way they're only passing out papers to a few students versus handing one to every student individually. It seems like a really small thing, but believe me, it saves you a ton of time in your classroom each day to pass out papers this way. Now, some teachers have a separate basket for each subject, and that lets students place their completed assignments in it. But I never seem to have enough table space or uh, flat spaces to lay these baskets. So I like to use a three-drawer system. It's like a Sterilite three-drawer plastic organizer. And so my drawers are labeled file, copy, and grade. Students just simply place their work in the grade drawer, so I slide it open for them. And they just come up and file it in the, in the little drawer. And then I could also remove that drawer and take it with me if I want. But I simply remove the papers, I clip them, I put them in my school bag, and usually they come back again for just a nice trip in the car. And then I have blank rosters that I use for my grade book. And I highlight the student names that have any missing work. And then that's the way I can keep track of that as well. So another alternative to this, and one I used for my fourth grade students, is to give them a little bit more responsibility for turning in their work. And in this case, that means a file box with individual files labeled for each student. So they had a roster in the front of this file box, and I had written the assignments across the top, and they had to find their name and put a little check mark next to the assignment as they were putting it into the file. And that way I could easily see which assignments they were missing by just looking at that spreadsheet. And then after a while, I decided that was hard to have individual files, especially when it comes to grade, because then you have to take each paper out individually and grade it, put it back in rather than just have a stack you can quickly flip through. So I decided that students instead would put their papers in one big file, but in number order. So then they were responsible as they were turning it in to put it in their order. And then that as well allowed me to easily return the graded assignments, which were put into another set, a second file box with their individual files. So I had one for turning in the work and then I took it out for the turning in to put it in the receiving, I guess you could say. All right, now absent students is another way you can get tripped up on the paper trail here. And so if you've been following me for a while, you know I'm really in favor of the simple methods are the better methods. So I personally have a really hard time keeping up with absent students and their missing work, especially when I work in mostly transient schools. So the best thing that works for me is to provide them with the assignments right off the bat. So when a student is absent, the paper passer hoops, passing it out to all the groups, Make sure that they count out an extra paper for that absent person. Whoever is responsible in the group of passing out the papers to the group is going to leave it on that absent student's desk. So when the absent student returns, the work is sitting on top of the desk for them. And that's it. I don't even give them a folder or nothing. You could if you wanted to. If you want to get all fancy, you can put a little special absent folder on the kid's desk. 
Now, if it's a graded assignment, when the kid comes back, I say, hey, you need to do that in here. You can't take that home. These papers go home. And I just take a minute in the morning to kind of explain that to them on the day they came back. So for missing work, I like to, again, use a roster. So if you're collecting grades or you put like who turned in their work, it's really easy to check off on a class roster and see what assignments are missing. So it doesn't have to be any fancier than that. And if you don't have a deadline for incomplete work, I suggest trying to have one because otherwise students might be turning in August work in February, right? So having that set deadline is going to help students hopefully complete their work or have a consequence by the time that deadline comes around. Now you do wanna consider your school district's policy on late work when you're developing your missing work procedure and make sure you have one that is easy to understand and you share it with your families. They don't want any surprises either, right? So just be very clear and transparent, tell them what this policy is so that everyone's on the same page. And if you wanna go a step further, again, be all fancy, you can have it written out and you can place it in that absent work folder we were talking about, or you can just simply staple it to their packet of missing work when you're giving it back to them to complete. Okay, the next thing we wanna talk about and the last thing about organization for students is their notebooks and folders. So because we're talking about paper procedures, Obviously, we need to talk about notebooks and folders. Elementary students really consider color coding according to the subject. I've done this for many years and I find it works so well and it's really easy to say, put your work in your blue writing folder. That way, if they don't know what the writing folder is, at least they know what the blue folder is, right? And then they can easily put their work back. I also take it a step further and have a picture supported label with student numbers on top of their notebook and folders. So the label might say like number one and have like a cute little picture of like a pencil so they know it's a writing folder and it's labeled like that and it matches the notebook with the folder if they happen to have one of each for the subject. Attitude Magazine recommends also color coding to help students that have ADD to stay more organized. They have an excellent article that I'm going to link in this blog post or this the show notes to this podcast episode rather. And in case you didn't know, I do have a blog post that matches every single podcast episode. So if you want to go back through and reread sections, refer to things, sometimes I have pictures that you can't really see in the podcast, then that's always in the show notes as well. But in this article, it's called The Messy Student's Guide to Order ADHD Organizing Tips. They explain that students that have ADD or ADHD do not have the fully functioning executive function part of their brains. And the executive function is what helps control our organization. So because there's this kind of like misfiring, that's leading to the disorganization and they really can't help it. So having consequences for the kid being messy is not really going to help improve anything, but they do uh, mention having a color coding or a set system to help combat these issues. So that's really just another awesome way you should be organizing because it also helps those students with ADHD. Another tip is to use dividers and sleeve protectors for organizing sections of notebooks or folders. Students can store papers in the sleeve protector. For example, I like to have my students put their finished writing in the back and the things that they are currently working on in the front. You can also have students place that finished work inside of the sleeves. 
Of course, this needs to be modeled for younger students. I'm thinking like first and second graders. They do tend to have some trouble getting the papers in the sleeves without crumpling them. So they might just be too young to kind of have this method yet. I would wait till maybe third or fourth grade to start having kids help put things in those sleeve protectors. But you also have to show them very carefully how to put things in the folder to close it without things being like in the fold, if you know what I'm talking about. And I also like to use editable notebook tabs for my students. This applies to the notebooks, of course, and the tabs allow students to quickly flip to the correct section of their notebook, and it saves me a ton of time in the classroom, just like my paper passing method. For my older students, it also shows them how they can organize their notes for the future. So I'm talking about middle school, high school. It gives them those ideas of, oh, I could do this. Remember how I did that before? And then they can make those connections of how to create helpful notes for themselves. We also create a table of contents that we reference all year. And if you're interested in learning more about those tabs, you can find the link to them in my TPT store on these show notes. And if you have any other ideas, or you have a favorite student organization system, I would love to hear from you. You can always write to me, susan at shareteaching.com, or when you leave an Apple review, you can put it in there as well when you reference one of your favorite episodes. And if you have any ideas for future episodes, I love those comments as well. So thank you so much for listening, and I will talk to you next time. Bye for now. If you've loved this show, then join me in sharing the teaching, hitting that subscribe button, and leaving us a review on iTunes, so we can be found by more teachers like you who are ready to start sharing the workload. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Find new episodes each week on shareteaching.com. Thanks for listening to the Share Teaching Podcast. or use the back and front of the first to keep this folder. So, so, so for us.